Welcome to the Outdoor You Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode six here on the Outdoor You, as this is Whitetail You February edition. I am your host, Rob. Want to thank all of you for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook at Outdoor You. That's the letter U. And give us a follow to stay informed on our podcast and also just to interact about our different passions of the outdoors. Joining me today are my two whitetail gurus, Rick and Dave. <laughs> and uh, before we get into this week, this month's February edition of Talking Whitetail, um, we do have to talk about one thing. Um, being that it's, it, it hit close to home, and that's obviously we're all from the state of Michigan, and with the tragedy at Michigan State last week, um, it, it hit me personally. You know, we all have friends mm-hmm. that are affiliated with Michigan State. I'm a Michigan State dad. Uh, my daughter is a, is a Michigan State graduate and is a fifth-grade school teacher. Um, just north of East Lansing, literally lives a mile north of campus, and they actually found the shooter like within a mile of her house. Oh wow! So that kind of hit hit home a little bit. But just for me, I've never cheered for the Spartans on the field or on the court. But the moment I became a an MSU dad and I set foot on that campus when Taylor was a freshman, I fell in love with the campus, the people, the you know yeah. just the people of Kent. Not necessarily. Like I said, I, I take the fandom from the sports away from it and just the, the all of the people and the surroundings and the campus, I completely fell in love with it. So you're, you're human. The human side of you is coming out with it with it all. So Yeah. So it just kinda hit and it's just man, you know, it's just it's tragic and you know, three dead, five critically wounded. I know one was upgraded earlier this week to stable condition, but I still think four I thought there was another one that was upgraded today. Maybe. So yeah, and it it's not just this is a surrounding schools. You know, my daughter goes to Saginaw Valley. They, you know, the president talked to them. They had a candlelight vigil and stuff for them. So yeah, it's. I mean, all the communities around there were affected. You know, so it's no, it was a very sad time. It's a crazy world, and you know, I talked to and Dave. You're a school teacher, and and Taylor told me, you know, the day after it happened that you know in class because they actually for. When it first happened, they, they shut down all schools in all of Lansing. But then once they found him, the threat was gone. So, yeah. like, that, that, he was found, like, midway through the night. So then they, they basically did go to school the following day. Michigan State didn't, but right. all the local schools. And she said that the one thing that really got to her was that she tried – they talked about it a little bit, but even her fifth-grade class, it's like these kids now are so accustomed to it. It's like, oh, it's just another day, another shooting. Yep. You know, and Dave, you're a teacher. I don't know if you, if you guys had any conversations. I, I don't usually try to bring it up when we do that. My, my thing is, is if the kid brings it up, we'll talk about it. I, I did, I'm not going to be one to instigate it because if the kids don't talk about it, then fine. At that moment, it's not like it's something I'm going to just bring up. But if the kids say, hey, listen, here happened last night. All right, let, let's talk about it for a second, and then we'll go from there. Um, most of my kids are understanding, though, that the mental health of these people of people right now are tough. None of them are like, oh, gun control, none of this. They're all like, you know what, why would someone do that? Yeah. And that's what I like because we had a really good good, you know, talk about it. But You could I, have a conversation about it. And, like, my, my, um, my, my son's girlfriend um, is up there in, in, in the, in the uh, dorms, and I didn't know this, but a lot of the new college kids have these apps or something now where they keep – they have almost like a scanner – 
for the college. I mean, they all have it. It's like some of the dishes you have. It's like gives you news. It's a, sa- it's a safety yeah. feature. It's, it's feature. a safety feature. Well, guess what? They all sat there listening to this, and there were so many things out there that they weren't. They didn't know. So I think that the unknown, and these kids really went through trauma because they were told there could be multiple shooters. There yep. was multiple people. There's this, that. So they went through more because they were barricading. Barricade your stuff. Yep. Barricade. You know, it's really easy for everyone to look out in the outside. But if you were there on that campus or that, and even if you were miles away, you didn't know for about, what, you know, a couple hours. We I mean, were, a couple of hours. You we know? were getting updates from Anna. We are trying to find out the news and stuff flipping, you know, on the Internet or whatever on TV and stuff like that. We were getting updates from Anna in Saginaw over she because she had on her phone. That's where she was getting it all from. So, you know, you're like. And I think what people don't realize, too, even the general public of people that aren't teachers, don't realize that the state, of, that we have mandatory lockdown drills. Yep. And parents get mad, and then other people wonder why we're doing it. And then we have to we have to talk about this. Um, it's something we have to do. Like, even today, we had a shelter in place because of, like, what happened in Ohio with a, with a train. Yep. What if National Standard had a blow-up, and we needed to barricade or do some kind of shelter in place? Biggest thing I tell the kids, we have to have a plan no matter what happens. And that's why we do this. I never thought of that. That's what the factory being so close to. You just never know. You just, you just don't oh, know. That's, you yeah. just, you just, you know, so we, we learn how to turn the ventilation systems off. You know how, because we, we run, the, you know, just little things like that. Yeah. And we grow up, we're coming from our era where the only thing, the only drills we did were the tornado drills. We Absolutely. got to go out in the hallway. Oh, and fire drill. St- Man, you got to run outside for a little while. Yep. We, yeah. we like those. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is bad, but in a way it is nice because now all of, all of our schools are locked. You know, we don't have the same luxury we did before. It's just safety. And, and worlds change. We have more people, too. Oh, 100%. It's not oh. not the 80s and 90s we grew oh. up in. No. <laughs> well, we could talk for Absolutely. five, six 100%. hours with the pol- politics and everything that goes along with that. But uh, what's most important is our, our thoughts are with the victims' families and praying for the ones that are still, um, you know, recovering and, and get the ones that are still in critical condition Amen. and get upgraded. And so – but. On that note, let's 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 put an end to that and let's get to to the topic at hand, and that is whitetail madness, whitetail you. And we're in the month of February, almost done with the month of February, um, and it's it's getting to be where it, it's shed season. It, yep. It's this is one of the big times now. It's going to hopefully knock on wood. <laughs> Start warming up to where it's a little more comfortable to be outdoors. Well, knock and, on wood, you can't beat the winter we're having. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we don't have to deal with the snow. Obviously, for some of you maybe that live further up north, you're going to have to wait for a lot of the snow to melt. But um, that's one that's obviously one part that as as a whitetail enthusiast, we keep ourselves intrigued and keep us outdoors, keep us out in the woods. So that's what we're going to kind of talk today um, about shed hunting, the different ways you can go about it. And um, Rick, I'll start with you as. um, So I want to bring this up real quick. I want to talk to you before they now make a Glasses for shed hunting. I saw it. <laughs> and you know what? I tell you what. If it if it's so just by re- chance it takes the glare, so I don't know. I, I look They're at supposed it, to be for knows. shed hunting and morel mushrooms. Right. I'm all about the morel mushrooms. All right. So, so, so uh, this is the first I've heard of it. Tell yes. me about this. Something with the contrast in the lenses enhances the color of the shed and the morel mushroom. If you looked in the woods, it would, like, take a, a, a stick and make it brighter. Yeah. So if you saw a white antler, it would make it really stand out compared to of, you, you know, know you're walking through weeds you see 47 weeds and you're like oh that's like a little stick blue blockers you know i mean yeah, <laughs> that's it's i don't know i mean it sounds like a gimmick it tastes like a gimmick is it a gimmick 
I mean, somebody's probably going to make a hundred grand off it because everybody that's in the hunting industry has got to buy the hot new. Oh, well, absolutely. So Rob will have it. <laughs> no, it's, as long as it's not a grunt, grunt call. call, as long as it's not a new grunt call, Rob will not buy it. <laughs> but no, that's, that's the big thing I've heard about shed season this year, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's basically just putting your feet on the ground. You know, a lot of guys, like we talked last time, Dave, we don't have we have all have certain areas where we don't go into because we don't want to push the deer off. Well, now it's getting time where you can bump them a little bit and they're going to run off and come back. Well, these are the times that you go in there one weekend, you scour that, and hopefully that you know the buck or whatever you're trying to find that live is going to be there. But I mean, it's just luck. I mean, it's like hunting. You know, you might shoot a big buck or you might. Well, it, yeah, and, and everybody's property is laid out different. To where, you know, you may not have a core bedding area. You may sure. hunt. You may hunt in a transition zone. So I mean, sometimes that's a beautiful thing in, in some as, aspects because then you don't have to really ever worry about disrupting the, their core sanctuary. Yep. Um, or some people actually, you know, like I'm fortunate enough. The property I have has it all. I have the agriculture. I have the transition zone, and then I have the the swamp sanctuary core bedding area. I think I have enough areas that I can probably walk and I can still stay clear of that core sanctuary. Plus, that's so thick, I don't even think I want to go in there anyway. No. Not to mention with the sw- a lot of it being swampland. Well, all the rain we had? Yes. <laughs> Good luck. I tell you, I really noticed today at work um, making some deliveries, doing a lot of uh, did a lot of rural deliveries today, a lot of fields flooded. We, yep. we got a good two inches of rain yesterday. Um but, yeah, it, it all depends, obviously, on, on the type of property you have. But, Rick, the one thing I wanted to start with you is is one of the, the avenues that you can use if you have the resources, a dog. Yep. And, and that's why um, I wanted to talk to you first because you've got – well, you've got a stable of dogs. You're like the yeah. Yellowstone Ranch of, of canines <laughs> I'm dog at your poor. house. I'm dog poor. Good I, I'm Lord. Like, I'm like a horse owner because all they do is eat poop. <laughs> Saying I can't ride them though. Well, I probably could ride Cooper if I got a big enough saddle. Um, no, I your wife would let you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, no, but we I do have Doc. Doc is my older black male. I have well now three labs. Well, two my son's lab and a bloodhound. We had to put our chocolate down a couple weeks ago. Uh, but Doc is our black lab. He is now getting ready to turn nine, and he does shed hunt. Um, we haven't done it as much in the past couple of years with him due to the de- depth of snow. And then once the snow was gone, it was baseball season for Hunter, so we are doing that. Um, kind of interested. But, no, he has found sheds um, in different areas. Um, I remember the property we used to live on, or not live on, but at least on, on, out on Worrell. Um, my chocolate found that one big, huge shed. I think it's the buck we had that one Michael morning. Myers? Yes, that came he came across the street on us that one morning, um, into the corn and something happened. But I think and she found that. I was just going to pick the kids up at Edwardsburg. And I just saw oh, this let her run. Well she come run back with it and I'd never worked with it. I was like, Oh, you know, you're gonna be a shed doc. No, no, it didn't happen that way. Doc was trained for it. Um I spent time with him as a pup, um, with different tools. Um you can buy so a lot of guys say when a dog is young, you know, you know how aggressive a puppy is. He runs in and attacks things. Well, you don't want him to t- attack a big 
five by five shed, stick himself in the eye, hurt himself, he's gonna be scared. And you know, we gun shy, a gun shy dog doesn't want to be around guns, so you're not gonna hunt with those dogs. Shed dog, same thing. He gets hurt on the antler. He's not gonna want to mess with that. That's something that's gonna hurt him. He wants nothing to do with it. So they have come out with different companies have come out with uh, rubber, rubber antlers that actually look like a shed. They're white. And they upgrade to the next step is a brownish color. And you could put scent, antler scent, which don't ask me what it smells like. It smells like nothing to me, which it could smell like something to a dog, I imagine. Um, so I would start with, in the house playing fetch with him. As he got a little bit older and it became easier, take him out in the yard, fetch. Then we started dragging around, kind of hiding it, running through. Then we got a tennis ball with some of the antler scent on it. We would put it on there, and we would throw it in taller grass. And, of course, he's seen the idea where it was, so we would let him go as soon as we throw it. And then we got him to the point where we would throw it and make him stay. Um, and then you got to the point where you're almost like you're pheasant hunting. You're letting your dog cast certain areas. We would set them beforehand and just let them cast an area out in front. And casting is, um, pheasant hunters probably know, casting is where a dog's 20 to 25 yards in front of you. They're going left to right. They're basically circling, you know, from left to right. To, they'll go left, come to the middle, they'll go back out. They're just casting an area trying to put up a bird for you. Well, this instance, the dog is casting to try to catch a scent of an antler. And I believe it's the calcium. You're a teacher. Well, Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, we've all we've all cut skulls, yeah, you cut horns, and you, you, you smell it. That that is a very very strong smell so when you cut into bone. It's supposed to be re- really good. I mean. Guys make a pretty good living on eBay and Amazon and Facebook and whatever by getting these sheds, chunking them up, and selling them. I mean, we go down to TSC or Real King and probably buy deer antler or elk antler. Or, yeah, I know you can get them in Bass Pro for 20 bucks. Me, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I like my sheds. I, You know, the, if we find a small one that's kind of chewed up already from past years, sure, I'll let them get it. Um, but, yeah, we just you train them like you do anything else. I think a dog is happier when they have a job. Instead of just laying around doing nothing all day, um, you give a dog a job to please you because that's why they're put here. They were put here to please us, make us happy. You're never going to find a love as unconditional as a dog's, never, unless you treat it like shit. Um, but they're here to please you, and if you give that dog a job, you're making him happy. He wants to do in return make you happy. So that's what has a lot to do with Doc doing it. Um, I think his best day he found three, you know. One here, I had a property down on the river, walked down there for four hours with him one day. He found one. Um, just And it was just one of those things. He was casting in front of me. I see him getting some thick stuff. Well, I'm not going through the thick stuff. I'm going to walk the, the trail. He come running up with a shed in his mouth. Oh, hey, good dog. I love you. Yeah, you know, petting him on the head, and he's all excited. I'm playing with him. He gets excited. and It's just, you know, it's a different avenue. It makes it easier, so you don't have to go into thick stuff. The dog does work. Just like when you're rabbit hunting or um, as a hunting, the dog does the work for you. You kind of walk the two track or whatever, and and they're they're the tool, I guess you would say in this instance when you're shed hunting with them. I am very ignorant when it comes to from dogs from the hunting standpoint. So answer me this: Do you, if you are a big hunter with dogs, whether it's for pheasant or sure. for or duck, whatever, where you're actually using a dog? 
is it a multi thing or or is it like if you if you're a big if you're a big bird hunter that you're really that's what your dog is really for do you really want them also to to get into the shed game or do you there's a lot if of you want to do that you maybe want to get another dog specifically maybe for yes. shed hunting a lot of guys do that me no I've never I've always been a friend and this is from my dad my dad my dad's dad we trained our own dogs and you, and I have no opinion on this if you want to pay a guy he's going to make an earning a living earning your money doing it training because that's what his skill set is um sends them away for weeks at time um to learn how to flush birds or um set in a a swamp and uh or on a you know in a swooded a flooded timber on a little almost like a deer stand until it's ready to go some guys that pay thousands of dollars do that no they're not going to do it me I bought my dog for 500 bucks. He sleeps in bed. Um, he He's an idiot. You know, he gets people food. When I feel like giving him people food, I mean, he's part of our family. So I'm going to teach him anything and everything that I know to help me out as a hunter. So, yeah, he, if I, you know, it's like almost like a kid. So you say, well, your daughter is better at golf. Or your son is better at golf and your daughter is better at tennis. You're going to go play tennis with your daughter. You're going to go play golf with your son. Well, you got one kid that can do it all. Well, shit, let's go. You know, Doc's my kid that can do it all. Uh, he can, you know, he duck hunted. He, you know, duck and goose hunters kind of same waterfowl. Uh, like conversation that you had with your, mm-hmm. your buddy last week. Um, he shed hunts. He's actually found deer. He found a deer, a buck for Dan Lynn um, one year. He's found a couple does for us. Um, he's tracked other deer for other people. Um, I've never taken him squirrel hunting. I've never taken him rabbit hunting or anything like that, but I have taken him shed hunting. He's found deer and he can fetch a duck and a goose if I shoot it. Is, from a training standpoint, is, is shed, shed training probably one of the easier? Shed training is a lot like pheasant training. Okay. Um, they're catching a scent. Um, and here's, and not to get too long winded with this, but just like, you know, guys will have different dogs for waterfowl. Guys are going to have different dogs for Bird hunting. You're going to have pointers and you're going to have flushers. A lab is a flusher. So they're moving all the time. A pointer is going to hold on. Until He's you, waiting for your command. Yeah, until you say go or you kick it. Um, a flusher is the perfect shed dog because he's casting. He's looking for the bird. Casting, he's trying to catch that smell and, oh, there it is. I'm, I'm going. Um, I had, you know, it, I had two of the better, in my opinion, um, Pheasant dogs. I had my chocolate babe, um, little bitty dog. I think she was like 55, 60 pounds. Well, she naturally pointed. So then I got this big brute black dog, Doc, who's 92 pounds. Perfect situation. He's he's a flusher. Well, she's a lab, and she'll go retrieve it, and she'll flush it. But now she's holding, waiting for big boy here to just come blow up whatever. And there's a lot of times, and I've had a lot of guys say thank you, which I don't know why. He's such an athlete, and yes, I consider my dog an athlete, that he would jump in the air. I think when I took you for your 40th birthday, he ended up catching one in the air for us. And you said, what the hell? I said, hey, you didn't burn a shell, and it's not all shot up. I remember that. It's not all shot up. So that's the only problem with that. Um, Now that we're – Without baby, and I retired her a couple of years ago. Um, just with Doc, it's, he doesn't do that as much. 
he's hitting them, he's smelling them, and he's just going. So he doesn't have the reaction time where, hey, I know this bird's here, I'm going to jump up and get it um, type, where some guys like it, some guys don't. I personally like it because it's not all shot to hell. You ring the bird's neck and stick in your backpack, and you ain't got to clean it. You know, no shot when you're eating a breast or anything like that. But yeah, that brought, I did think that he did catch the one with you on your 40th birthday yeah. party when we surprised you that year. <coughs> but, you know, that's, that's, that's about it. Um, you can read books. YouTube geeks like us. Oh, you for can, sure. You can watch it. Um, Jeremy Moore is my guy, Dogbone. Um, I, I love all his stuff. I buy his stuff. He's the one I bought the fake antler for him. He, he sells the antler small. He sells tracking stuff. He bought the stuff I trained Cooper with the track, um, the deer hide, the smell, um, and so forth. But, yeah, it's just, you know, they're part of your hunting arsenal. It's, an, it's a t- another tool for us to use. In the woods, it makes it easier. I know we're older in age. I don't want to walk through that thick shit. If I can send my dog through there, he's going to get, you know, he's going to see and smell something that we don't see because we're not going to smell it. So, so that's that, my input. That, that, that's one avenue, obviously, with the dogs. Um, I, I think majority, the most, your everyday hunter is probably just, it's just just going to go walk. Yep. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of luck. But there's also so there is a friend of ours that is on the internet, and afterwards I'll tell you his name. So he's a very good shed hunter. But he shed hunts a lot of properties with CRP grass that's real tall that no one hunts. So he's got the best of the best bedding areas. No, and no one's allowed to hunt, but they'll let him walk through it and find sheds. So that's what you're getting in. It's getting into a money game like everything else in hunting. So you're finding these guys, and they're selling these stuff. And he's one of them that cuts them up, and he'll sell a chunk of horn for 8 to 10 bucks on Facebook, and you can buy them. You know, I'll send it to you and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's you got to look out for that. Most guys that are walking, you see, you might see a guy behind National Standard walking. That might be what he's doing. Yeah. So Now I'm going to bring Dave in because – Knowing Dave as well as I do, Dave is a very thorough, methodic assassin. You're going to put strategy into it. I just because I know I know you, I know how you are. So as I said, the most common hunter, it's probably just going to be just going to be a reason to get out in the woods, get some exercise, get a walk in. If I stumble across one, great, awesome. If not, oh well, I spent a great day, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's me. To be completely honest with you, that would be me. I'm normally. I'm, tr- I'm going to try to make an effort this year because all these years past, I've always been coaching baseball in the spring. I've just never really have had time. I'm retired from coaching now, so I am, I'm, will, I'm going to be putting the time in out there. But getting to you, Dave, you put the strategy in. So for the, the strategics, tactical guys, what do you do from a strategic plan and how your property is laid out for where you are specifically going to go look for sheds? So if you have the transition area, like you were saying before, then it's tough. You, but truly, you, I keep my cameras out. I still keep my camera up top, pull them probably middle of, of March because I still have quite a few bucks still holding. Okay, and truly the big ones, I'm not seeing them on now. And I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of the big, the big bucks on camera right this second, but I've seen a lot of little ones. And to me, that just tells me that, you know, the big bucks, they work really hard for two, two months chasing doing everything, they're, they're weathered down. I think they will drop their antlers before the little ones. That's just my, me. But I'd want to see where they're at 90% of their time. If they're going to spend 90% of their time eating and sleeping, then where are they that 90% of the time? I don't care about the in-between. I don't care. I'm going to go right to their bedding. 
And right now they're lazy because no one's pushing them. Only thing that's pushing them are, are coyotes. And coyotes are going to push them around, but they learn how to deal with them. They have to. But you have their feeding area. That's either going to be in their feeding area that you're going to find them in your food plots. You're going to find them in your turnips. You're going to find them in the cornfields that just got cut like mine. Just got cut. Oh, so guaranteed, there's 90 acres of corn. Mine. There was 90 acres of corn still standing two weeks ago. So now it just got cut. Can you imagine how much corn? Because it was all laid down from the snow, how much corn is there? So well, I'll go there first. Okay, that would be my first go-to. Then I'm going to walk that our biggest bedding area we have. I'll only do it probably once, maybe twice like Rick was saying, because I will not. I just don't. Yeah. And I never went in there before because I don't want to bump them out of there so their sheds aren't are, are somewhere else. I want them to live there. I want them to feel good there. I will go in there like during the day too, or like I don't go there certain, you know, I'll, I'll go there. I won't, I'll, I won't go there too early, but I'll go there pretty much, you know. Wait a minute. We have now the magic camera, the glasses. So now we can go we out there. Really we should go out at night when they're out of their bedding area. <laughs> and we can go in with these magic infrared, magic but, blue blockers. Yeah. But I will tell you, though, and it is true, southwest lower Michigan is very hard to find sheds. It is. Because coyotes eat them. Yep. Okay? They don't realize how many, how many coyotes will go grab the shed. No, your dog does. Yep. Coyote does, too. I was going to say, that's but what a guy every squirrel, up. every mouse, every vole, everything that is a little chipmunk is eating them. And right now that's warm, they will find them and eat them down but, within Dave. no time. Dave. It, it would have to take five years for a mouse to be able to eat an antler. It's amazing how well they can eat. They're not going to Already them eat off. them down. But, but it, I it, would it, say it, that it is. eating. They, they eat. They will nip. They will literally nip on them. I mean, you'll you'll have a whole. You'll have a, an entire tine gone, a whole tine gone. Okay, and it's true. When you when I go look for sheds, I do look in those spots now because I know my property so well. I know where to look for certain sheds. Rick and I used to shed hunt in one of our spots that was a very, 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 like a honeysuckle, black muck bottom, drainage ditch around the outside of it. They were always in there because it was warm in there. When it was cold, they went there to bed. So where'd you go look for the sheds? You look there. Because that's where they're, I found a 150. Yeah. I think it's a 150 there. And the thing is, we found, you, I go there right now, I'll find sheds there. I guarantee it. Just but because, we also used to find boot prints. Well, absolutely. We found people that trespassed every yep. year shed hunting. But I think if you find those areas and you know where they're coming in and out of, fence crossings are always good. They got to jump. It jostles them a little bit. I'm a little bit, yeah, I've never really found them around fences. I find them in their bedding. I find them in their feeding. That's where I like to put 90% of my time will be there. That was, a good, that was a good day. That was a good day. I remember how excited he was when we found that big one. And that, it was, was right in his bed. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you could see the bed. Literally, it was laying right in the bed. Yeah, laying right there. And I know a lot of my beds. I, I can go. To, yeah. I can take you to ten beds right now, and I'll go to those spots and those areas because they spend a lot of time there. They'll get up, they'll pee, they'll eat a little bit, they'll lay back down. They do that all day. They have to. Yeah, yeah. They have to eat. They have Browse to. They, they'll they'll, they'll eat four or five times a day. Yeah. But they do get lazy. They don't have to be. They don't have to go so. They don't have to go so far. They don't have to go like they did before and go a mile away to eat. These deer will be bedded right on the field edge, and they'll just go out there and eat and go back and lay down. I mean, because they're not being pushed. No one's hunting. Has we talk about with you notice you, you catch a lot of people just kind of shed hunting. It almost seems like is it getting about as bad because it seems like mushroom hunters have a very bad etiquette to where they just feel privileged to where since they're not actual hunting that they can just kind of get out of their car and just kind of go randomly walk in a in a nature setting, not really 
regardless of signage or it anything is true. else. I think I think neighbors feel they can go across the line yeah. a little bit more to, to kind of like look over there and do that. Is it right? No. Is it hurting anything? Absolutely not. They're just on your land. They're trespassing. Right. Well, I mean, if they're they, going to they go, if they're going to continuously go through your core bedding area, that's a problem. Absolutely. And that, I mean, and and that and that's one thing I will tell you. I think in in we all need that spot. Even it's little. Have a spot you just yep. don't walk into, and don't let your wind blow in there either. Yeah. And but even with shed hunting, if you're going to be a real good, you know, if you go out west, there are people who literally camp out and wait for, and, and the minute the minute it hits, let's say twelve o'clock at twelve o'clock noon on that day, there's four hundred people running to get the elk antlers in those areas that are BLM lands because they literally are getting four hundred inch bulls out there. There's nothing eating them. Nope. You'll find you'll find sheds from ten years ago. Out here, you won't find. It's hard out there, to find. You're sheds. not allowed to remove them. No, you can't even touch them. I had a hundred and ten thousand yeah, acre that I was on. You couldn't even touch them. Yep. Yeah, you could pick them up. You'd put them back down. But what it, you know, I'm just saying that I think it's very hard to find sheds even in our area because we have critters that eat them. Other places in the world don't have that. They're like, oh, the sheds are there. Go to go to Saskatchewan and go to Manitoba. You would think, oh, the wolves eat them, that kind of stuff. Those guys are finding every shed of all their deer because they put out hay. They eat. They have yep. to eat in that area. And there's all their sheds. Well, that's another thing that I think it hurts us, too, around. You know, we can't put minerals and stuff out anymore or help our deer after the herd. So you'll see guys in Iowa, they'll take a big alfalfa bale, they'll spread it out, and then they'll dump corn all through it. Well, they're doing it in a specific location where they know there's a bedding area here, here, here. They're putting it, you know, X marks the spot, basically. And you'll see a lot of that online where guys are doing it, and then they're very successful at it. Or... They'll find one there, and they'll just backtrack, and they'll find another one. So, yeah. And, Robbie, I know you say be the methodical part of me. Everybody knows I'm anal about deer hunting. But I will tell you, I learned more now about my deer herd and where they walk. That one buck that left that rub, and I find his little faint run in a low depression that's only three feet lower than anywhere else in the woods. And you'll find that spot. If you didn't have right now out shed hunting and looking, you would never know that spot was there because it's going to green up in the next three months. And you're never going to see that, but you see it right now, and that's what's that's what's pretty cool. I mean, so honestly, scouting, deer scouting during during this time is the best time. Another avenue, and you can get on YouTube and find them, and it's 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 harder now because a lot of the baiting laws. But there are ways you can actually create your own antler trap, if you will. It's not necessarily um, a device where it's going to collect the antlers but what it's triggering to do is if Knock if you are if you are allowed to bait you can <clears> set up a station where you got corn mineral something to where and then you have to set something up and there's a lot of times it looks if the 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 most common type contraption that I've seen that the best way I can describe it is if you've ever played frisbee golf the yep. actual hole that you would right. throw the frisbee into mm-hmm. you would set up a contraption like that to where it's going to force the buck to to dip down and get into that whatever you've got, whether it's, whether it's some form of bait or minerals, and then his antlers are going to obviously touch this obstacle and it's going to make them fall off. That is another way. And there's some states that baiting is allowed. It's a way. And then you can even put a trail camera up yep. on that, and you can even monitor, you know, might even be able to see a shed on your trail camera. Sure. But what I, everything I've read on those, and I, I'll never use one, because they say if your antler wasn't ready to come off, it can hurt them. and it did get caught on a rubber or a, a fence or it got caught in there, it would could break their pedicle in a way. The pedicle on the outside, they would pull it too much, and they would knock that thing off, and then it would not grow the same next year. I heard so if you had a nice 140, 150, yeah, and you happen to break the pedicle in a way, 
that it doesn't want to grow again because you manually made it come off. It's almost like breaking it. You know, you broke it off. It doesn't, I just, I mean, that's what I, I've read. And I just, I've it, heard the same does thing. it work? Yeah, it probably works. You know, I've, but I, I, know, I don't know anyone that does it. Um, I, I've seen it on like YouTube. I've watched it on some, some. There was a guy in, um, oh, Michigan, a sportsman that had an article about it a couple of years ago that I read. He went, it was comparing the fence, and this gets back to what you're talking to about the pedicle getting hurt. Because he, I think he did a, I want to say he did a test in Texas where they used the fence, the chicken wire fence, compared to like a bungee cord. And the chicken wire hurt them. Hurt them, or they, you know, struggled. And the bungee cord, it wasn't. They were able to not be as violent with their their head and stuff like that. But no, Dave makes a good point with that. They can, guys that do it, you can end up hurting the deer and hurting your deer herd. You know, who's to say that deer is not going to get an infection and die um, in that instance? I think another thing, too, when we talk about shed hunting is the uniqueness of it and the challenges because it so varies on when a buck will shed. I mean, because there's times, I mean, they'll, they'll, there are certain bucks that will start shedding during late fire, I mean, in December. Absolutely. And, and so, some hold till April. And, and, you know, sometimes you're out, you might be out for the late season shotgun season for does and you get a big old mama comes out there and you, and you, and you lay her down and you come up and you go to gut it and no, got, got a, a, a three prong surprise. when yep. you turn. Yeah, That's why a lot of guys are against late doe seasons, yeah. especially up North because they don't have as many does, but yet we still can shoot does then. And you're and not breaking the law because you're shooting an you're animal not, this nope, deer. Nope, you're not breaking the law, but you definitely, you see that one big single deer come out and it's by itself. It's more, it's kind of makes you a little. Just a little bit. Yeah. You know, it could be a buck. It could be, you know, who knows? I normally go, a lot of times you can just tell by the size of the neck. You oh, know, absolutely. I mean, obviously. Size would, of the face, all yes. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, I use my binocs. If I can even, I, I'll know because I won't, I won't shoot that far. But I'm, like I said, I'll watch 40 deer before I will shoot one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at it. <laughs> um, trail, well, ca- trail cameras. Here's another, though, one option that we're forgetting for shed hunting you get a lot of road hunters you get a lot of guys who drive back roads this time of year they're looking for your fence crossings and your dips and stuff like that and i mean they're trespassing if they're catching them on the other side of a fence in the field i saw a guy and i think it was an iowa thing i think someone had put like a hundred like it'd be a 180 a 90 inch wide tail i mean out there and then what he did is he wrote on there, <laughs> if you are picking this up, you're trespassing, you're on video. Because yeah. you're trespassing. You're not, you can't just get out of your car and go run someone's field because you see a big old shed out there. You can go ask. But, you know, but that's so funny. It, it, 100%. Well, and it's like I said, it's no different really than mushroom hunting. You, you have the right. same where people just think they got a little bit more right because they don't feel like they're hurting anything. And, and to the extent they're not. But um, but they are. I mean, they're, they're taking they're, they're something trespass- off your, your, they are, If we lease the property, it technically kind of like you're paying for the taxes. And they're taking stuff off your property. Well, it's no different if they're coming into your front yard. For, I mean, it's, you know, if it's your property, it's your property, whether there's a house agree. on it but or it's not. It's cool to find them. If you do find them you, and you know the deer because of pictures, yep. like it'd be nice if you guys found that one deer, you guys, that big, tall one, yeah. the one shot. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Brocephus. Brocephus. Whatever that one, you know, if you could find him and it's worth it. And what you do is you bring us. You say, hey, all three of us, let's go out there and shed home. I have his twin brother right behind you. But if here, here's what I say with that is, and this is what I would say on my farm too. If you come with me and we find one of those bucks, it's mine. I say that because that's buck I've been wanting to do. If not, I'm going to do it by myself. Find a but little if one. I come to your place and you want me to help you, I'm going to find Rose Stevens. It's yours. You bring it here and put it in your, in your trophy room. I say that because we're doing it for that reason. We want to find yep. him. 
We want to know that he's still living there. He's living on your property. Because that makes a huge difference, too. He could have moved over three miles. I have to believe now, I got to believe that throughout most of, of the Midwest, that 80 to 90% of the bucks have dropped. I know I have, I put a trail camera up um, the very last day of deer season. I've got it set up kind of in the front edge of, on the entrance of our of our property to where I, I've got it there from a monitoring a standpoint for, because the property I have, it's it's one way in, one way out. So I have a trail camera there now just to because I had some theft last year during the off season. So I want to know if things come up missing, I'm going to find, now I've got a camera. But at the same time, I've also, through that, I've discovered that I need to start deer hunting the spot that I've got this camera right <laughs> off. I mean, I'm it's literally... Um, 50 yards from where we parked the truck, but the, the deer traffic that's coming through there in the, in the prime hunting time in 8, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. and from 5 to 6 p.m., it's like it's in prime shooting times for both mornings and evenings. It's loaded with deer. Hmm. And when I first started out, every day, one, two bucks, couple shooters, I have not seen a single I, – I get them – I get deer showing up on that camera every single day. And I have not seen a buck on camera. I have not seen horns for last at least was, for at least uh, three weeks. My last buck was the twentieth, and this was the sixteenth. I'm showing a picture right now to Rob. You know, it's got he broke one side off. No, yep. you know he's there. That was on the sixteenth. That was only five days ago. So or whatever that was, three days ago, six days. You're ago. the teacher. I know, but I'm. Thinking, I, I'm <laughs> wait a minute. When I teach all day, I That's can't that think. Man. I can't think when I get back uh, <laughs> when I get home. But anyways, I, I think there are some. Bu- there's definitely bucks holding still. But I think I, I'm going to probably go out this weekend. It'll be the first time I've been on that farm. And I'll probably walk the corn first, or I'm going to take a side-by-side up there and, and run up and down the field and do it that way. That's right. what, yeah. Well, what, what about in my situation to where my corn was cut um, second week of December, and then three days later it was deep chisel plowed. So it's just it's been nothing but mud. Your deer did move somewhere where there was lots of food. Yeah, they had but to go then, to the south. They will go to where there's cut corn or there's somewhere they can get their food. But honestly, they changed their palate. They want, they're going to get little little shoots and greens and stuff. They, they don't have to eat And as you stuff. said, th- this is where, and I've said this, I said this at our last podcast in January, is that um, I think that one of the biggest benefits of food plots isn't necessarily during hunting season. It's right now yep. because it's keeping your deer healthy when all these other food sources have been removed from an agriculture standpoint or just overall, you know, mother nature and, and the the cycle the yearly cycle of, of right. vegetation, um, but even now here we talk about shed hunting. That's another avenue to where if you are an avid food plotter, that's definitely you one find them. where you you. Sh- it, one of our friends who just bought another big piece of property, I went over and he took me right through his property, and then he said, "Hey, you want to go look for some sheds?" I was like, "Yeah, we'll look for some for some sheds too." He goes, "Look at my turnip pot plots. His turnip plots were." E- they're being destroyed. Mm-hmm. They, you can just smell deer urine when you just walk through them. There's so many deer on them. So we found one eight-point side, you know, and um, and it, he instantly wrote me and said, hey, look, that eight-point was in the, in the food plot last week. You know, See, and, 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 and case in point to where I'm getting at is that my property does not have food plots. So my deer right now are – they're probably eating bark off trees at this point. <laughs> to what, well, I'm not. Yeah, but, yeah, but it, your, your, your swamp's full of food. Yeah, but I'm just saying to where the difference is is that for that gentleman, they've still got these big, healthy, fat turnips to eat to where some people's properties, the deer literally are – because when it gets down to it, they will literally eat the bark off of a tree if that's all they got left. Yeah, 100%. 
I mean, that's what our deer and UP are living on, and that's why they taste so different. Right now, our Southwest Lower is doing so well. Yeah. We have water. They have plenty of food to eat. I mean, they have tons of things to eat. It and seems, I'm, too, by regions, because, you know, we obviously, the three of us, we have a lot of friends in Iowa st- you know, that we follow on, on social media. Um, still, still, they're still posting a lot of pictures of trail cam with both, both sets still attached. Yeah, and you're finding some that – I think Jesse just pull, uh, posted today. Um, I think he found a big match. Him or him or Greg just found a big match set, um, and then they had pictures of a giant that had one side, you know. But it's in a feeder where it's legal, you know, and stuff like that where they're putting down stuff. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's unbelievable that they can have that and they're six hours away, and we have what we have. Well, and then we talked to, I mean, the, the stress factor 100%. also is, is a huge factor in, into when a buck's antlers are going to drop. Um, obviously, as you've stated, Dave, I mean, here, not necessarily from a, from a hunting pressure standpoint, but, like, you know, they're being chased by coyotes, um, you know, and, and you go back to about what a buck goes through. And I remember, I think it was deer and deer hunting had a um, – this was probably 10 years ago, did a, they had a, it was in a fenced in area. They literally, I don't know how they did it, but they were able to basically monitor this one buck through the complete cycle of the deer season and to show what this buck went through just from a physicality standpoint of what he, like when that rut starts and what they put themselves through. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, I'm a fitness guy. I mean, that's the Iron Man of all Iron yeah. Men's is what a buck because they are 24 seven three, you know, seven days a week. They are constantly on the move. They're not and they're chasing does or looking for does, but they're not eating, and they're just they're really putting their body through hell. And that's like when you said they're normally going to be the first to drop because of just their overall health and and <clears throat> stress. They're the first ones to not make it too. I mean, anything yes. they get sick, they're sick. You know the other the other deer don't have that as, as much. You know the big ones. You, you know, we, we shoot them. You shoot them, and those bucks have zero, zero fat on them. You know, and you you shoot the doe, and it's got an inch, an inch and a half of fat. It's, it's amazing. It's it's amazing too because when you think about that, when we have the luckily this year we've had a very mild mild, mild winter, and but when we do have some bad ones, or not even so much from the snow, but like when you get those polar vortex and those free, really cold. Yeah, to where. A fawn, like a yearling, is going to have a better survival rate than, you know, than a, than a say, a 150-inch stud because of what he put himself through. He's he's really sus- – yeah. he's going to be more suspect than this little 50-pound yearling, and that just that, – that blows me away. Yep. No, it's – I mean, it's a prize fight for some of these guys. I mean, they're getting their eyes gouged out or a big tear down their back or in their neck and stuff like that. And, you know, it's part of life. If we have a really bad cold winter and he doesn't get – the food that he can, he's going to, you know, die of infection or starvation. He's just not strong enough to get an extra 50 yards, say, to the cornfield where he's got to stay in his little bedding area or something. But, yeah, it's – I think, too, another a, a way to go for shed hunting and to make fun out of it is get a group of guys, you know, kind of like how you would do a deer drive. Um, just like I said, I think 
you want to keep away if you have your property that has, say, a core sanctuary bedding area. I don't think you want to run a group of six to ten guys through there. I mean, if you did it, like I said, you do it once. Yeah. Because once you your 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 wins, whether it's it, one person and, or ten, and what I usually you're gonna to you're do, gonna flush that buck out. Exactly. What I try to do is I let my wind blow in it a little bit, kind of like ease my way, and then we'll run it. Just because I let them kind of go away to the next ridge before I blaze through it. And you don't have to. I mean, take your time. That's what I said. You look at. I can see Dave. He can. He's he's gonna get. He's gonna get upwind of this one, and then he's just gonna kind of like like he's like he's uh, smelling wine, like he's doing wine tasting. He's gonna he's gonna let it simmer and just kind of swirl his hand around. Go in enough just to get him to move over a little bit, and then run. But the deer have to be thankful it's not winter break or summer break because he only showers like showers like every seven eight days on those breaks. Absolutely. But no, you'll, you'll see these guys. I think Bill Winky used to be a big one. Get some of these guys will get like all their camera guys together. That 30, 40 guys, mm-hmm. and they'll do two or three farms for a weekend, and they'll come out with hundreds of sheds. You know, some might be giants, some might be a four point or something like that. But yeah, it's, you see it. I mean, some guys do that, and they make a weekend out of it. And I think it'd be fun to go to Iowa for a weekend, public, like a public, public land? land, just see what you can find. Or like we even go to, you know, like. Indiana. To Kingsbury and yeah. and go to our 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 one spot where the the red X's on the map where you can't where as you mentioned that CRP <laughs> an extra arm <laughs> why can we not go in there for shed hunting you can exactly well I don't know I because there's no hunting they say you can't walk in didn't they say like radiation or something they say my grown extra arm in that one yeah it was bad it was a little I don't know how we ever would have got out of there if we were shot deer we had my canoe we'd have been just fine until I lost the oar. Yeah, and then we were down to just my canoe or my paddle. It was bad. It was bad. It was. I do have a nice picture of you in front waving with both hands because you didn't have a paddle. Literally, we, we dude. Rick and I, Rick and I did a, a public land. Both jet. sides. This thirty foot straight up. This you would could have not been, get out of it. Yeah, this would have been in twenty one. This wasn't last year. In, in two thousand twenty one, um, we got a, a bug. Bug up our no, butt. No, Rob. Rob got a bug. Rob got a bug because he's this mountain man, and he thought Fat Rick was going to be and in I the same condition. And I got intrigued. I got intrigued with the hunting public. I got addicted to watching them on YouTube. And and we're literally, from where we're at, folks, we're literally on the state line between Michigan and Indiana. There is some phenomenal state land um, just south of us in, in northwest Indiana, also in northeast Indiana. And so I got a bug up my butt. I hit Rick up. I was like, hey, dude, let's let's go buy an Indiana tag and, and let's go try it. Just something. Di- it was something different. And I'm like, let's take the canoe in. We can, you know, get into the river, and that way we can get into spots. And the, and it's like what Rick said. When you can't tell on a on Google Maps, the you can't tell the steepness of it the ravines. It looks like a creek that we're we're just going to go down this yeah, creek that we'd be able to portage anywhere we want and get off and and then go in. Oh, I think no. it was 50 foot deep. And then we got to one point where there was, like, a log jam on both sides, and we could barely squeeze through. We're good. We had two paddles going down. Coming back, come my, back. My we, paddle comes off. We had one paddle trying to get through that. Rob's grabbing sticks. We're trying not to tip. Oh, it was bad. But, hey, we're hey, talking we about it. We had fun. Exactly. We had fun. It, it was fun. We seen, I think, one deer. Well, I seen three bucks that day because they were chasing yep. in our contaminated area. Then you could, because we, we once we came out, yeah, you went to the left, I went to the right, and I I wasn't. I bet you I hadn't walked thirty yards. Rick calls me, dude, about 140, 150 inch buck over here. They were chasing get, get the doe. So I come over, and then I literally walked by probably a, a two hundred pound doe, literally 
20 yards in the woods, just sat there and let me watch, walk right by her on the trail. So that was a good time. You know, I, I really wish. And, it, was and the, it was a new experience. Absolutely. And I still want to do that. Unfortunately, from Indiana, they, they quadrupled their, I, I'm being sarcastic, they literally did, though, double their their license. Not just for non I mean, they even doubled their for resident their fees, too. But from a non-resident, a tag went from 150 bucks to $300. And I'm like, man, and I And that's just to, for one season, one buck. Yeah. So if you want to I'd much rather buy go to Ohio. Tag, if you want to buy your bow tag and then don't aren't successful and then you want to gun hunt, you got to spend it. Or you can buy the three seasons. I think it's five ninety six. Yeah. So, yeah, it's almost as much as an Iowa tag. But I, I'm still I'm still dead set on I want to this year. I want to I want to dedicate one week to get out of here and just go somewhere different. If Let's I go shoot something. Fine. Awesome. My, my selection is not going to be I think. For me, where I'm at right now, for I my, can care less as long as I can eat it. If I can go onto public land and step foot, not knowing a single thing about the property, any buck to me is going to be a trophy. Whether it's 100%. a year and a half old or or a five year old, I don't Ohio, care. Wayne National Forest. Oh, absolutely. Yep. It's as big as Missouri, a county. Maybe <laughs> one or two of our counties. We might want to give. <laughs> we might want to give Ohio though about six months to let all that stuff clear out of the. Even yeah, though, even that's though, granted, that's clear over on the Pittsburgh side. But well, Buttigieg was there today. He's going to make it all better. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry. No, no politics Sorry. in outdoor you, Sorry. Rick. Sorry. No, Sorry. no politics. I, I just had to get my one little uh, in there. But yeah, it's no, no. I'm all about it. Let's go. I think another thing too. Um, that you can for all of it, the tr- the diehard trail camera guys that are still have them out. I think you can, you know, even in my point. I mean, I where I'm literally we're seeing bucks on a daily basis, and now I'm not. They're not, and as you to piggyback off of what you said, Dave, they're not going to travel far right now. They're oh. very lazy. So I got an I, I pretty much know just from my trail camera a pretty good radius of where I should be able to go out and walk. And, and find some sheds and the bet and the beauty of in my situation, it's literally fifty yards off there. So I'm this is not in a core bedding area. I'm thinking I should probably find and I th- one or two. And there there there's one. There there's a stud and, and I'm I'm an idiot for not hunting in this spot of my property more. It, it's just because it's so close to the road and I don't I don't want to hear freaking cars and trucks going <laughs> by. I mean and I'd be completely legal. I know Sometimes you have to those be, are the best spots. They are, they are but but part of it for me, though, is I want to be off the beaten path a little bit because, to me, it's not just about pulling the trigger or letting the arrow fly. It's the whole decompression and just being in connection with the outdoors. But, yeah, I, I need to – this is another area to where I'm using now the, the trail cameras in this office where this time of year now is telling me I need to focus I, – I need to be putting one or two stands in this certain spot even though it's maybe – only 50 yards away from the truck, well, I mean, it's, it's only making it easier for me. That's and less – that's actually less ground I've got to cover to where I might scent contaminate another spot if I have to go a mile in where God knows how much I'm going to scent contaminate, especially in my situation where it's one way in, one way out. Yep. I mean, I, I, gotta, I try to be as creative as I can. Sometimes sure. I'll go clockwise around the cornfield and sometimes I'll go counterclockwise, you know, just to mix it up and, and, and go in differently however – many ways I can, but I'm, I'm limited to that. But this is a type of situation to where, I mean, I need to take advantage of it. Oh, and, that, and that's where, you know, a lot of people like, this is why we're doing these podcasts now. It's because there's so many things. Deer hunting is, a, is 
if you're really into it, man, it's a full year. It's 12 months out of the year, and there's <laughs> things now, even in the month of Feb, the, really February and March are probably the the two deadest months of the year because a you're you're just worn out, you're burnt out from from the the gruel that you put yourself through during the season, um, and you kind of use the month of January to recharge your batteries. Some states you can still hunt. I mean, hell. Ohio, you can hunt all through January. I mean, yep. I think until – I think Ohio right. didn't close like February Feb- 1st, I think. Right? Yeah, or February 9th, 9th I think. I think it was like the first week and of it February. It depends where you're at, too, because Ohio has different different rules. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the wife asked me, she's like, what are you going to talk about? I said, we're talking about deer chores. She said, did you say chores? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we got to work for this. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got to go – f- It is true. Like, a bunch of the guys every Friday, they shoot their bows at, at Ground Zero. I mean, yep. Simpson and all them, the guys are still shooting their bows. You know, they're doing the, the indoor leagues, indoor leagues, keep your, keep your muscles going. And, you know, like even for me, I, I kind of take a break because you work so hard to get mommy, mama do this and make mama happy. Cause she knows I, that's what I do for three months. Actually more than that. I do more, I mean, but I know turkey season is coming. So now I'm getting all my turkey stuff kind of organized and all my we, bows are put away. And we need to get our wives cause our, our, our wives have, especially Dave, you, your wife and mine, they had a nice little conversation at your surprise 50th birthday party about how many F's they give <laughs> and it, and it keeps going up. And oh, so, yeah. so, and, and Rick, Michelle's the same way. I mean, they, they, most wives can, yeah, they're Hunting the widows. number of F's they can give escalates from September to yeah. obviously about Thanksgiving time is there, there's not going to be no more F's that turkey they can hunting. Give. And I think turkey hunting is worse. My wife hates turkey hunting because, because you're calling. You're well, calling. My wife hates turkey. She they, hates the they oh, smell. She hates all that. She they hates smell. Hates they're animal. ugly. But you're I always think pretty. You're always blaring on your on your what. turkey call. Well, now the hunter's trying to learn how to mouth call. It's twice. I well, teach him. Home. It, it's not. It's not as bad. But when he's home, yeah, it's every time he walks into the office where they're all at, he's in her, and you hear hunter shut up. I get a kid. I, it cracks me up when it you, it's close to turkey season because I'll have a mouth call and I'll like practice driving to and from work <laughs> and I'll have to, and if it's warm out, I have the windows down. People and are I, looking at you and you come up to a stoplight and just to, and I do it intentionally just to get the reaction of yep. people and how they look at you. Um, but I'm I'm getting excited for that. Obviously, you know we're we're here talking about you know whitetails and specifically shed, but I mean turkey season is now literally right around the corner, depending on where you're at. I mean, I know Florida, Florida and Nebraska, they start fairly early, mid-March. So, I mean, it's literally weeks away for some, for some states. I think, I think Florida is the earliest open compared to, I think Florida goes. That's a long drive, man. We went early though in Nebraska. When we went to that Indian reservation in in Nebraska, I think it was mid-March we went. Yeah, it was in, yeah, because it was, we, because Hunter, he missed school. Yeah. So it wasn't around his spring break. So yeah, it, it was. I think Nebraska opens early too. That'd it, be another fun hunt to go on. We didn't just hunt on the side of a mountain. <laughs> you think Nebraska is not that far of a drive, but man, that that's a haul. That's a haul. It's a haul because you keep forgetting that you got to go clear through Iowa. I always think that like Nebraska in my head is like you got oh. Nebraska, Iowa, and Kansas all kind of like stacked on one top of you. No, you got to go all the way through Iowa. I was kind of long. It doesn't look long no, on that, but it yeah. is. <laughs> it is. It is. Another thing gets me with with Iowa, and the same really for Oklahoma. You get into that eastern part; it's beautiful, very terrainy, and then you, you get, get about the, midway point. It's just then you hit cornfields. You hit that you corn talk belt. About Iowa corn, cornfields. Yeah, you hit that corn belt, boy. 
Wow. And, I, and I've, I've experienced that more as a motorcyclist on, on trips on the Harleys than when you get out there. And it's like, all right, we got to turn around, boys, because I, I can't ride this yeah. any longer. Yeah. So um, I think we mentioned it, too. I think the other thing um, you can be doing this time of year is if, if you're a penny saver, especially nowadays, my God, you can get I, – I just – if you guys noticed, I, I got a couple of – a ladder stand, got at Walmart. Clearance I just went to Real King and went forty-seven. Do- I got me a fifteen-foot ladder stand for forty-nine dollars. Yep, can't beat that. You'll see Still a lot of bottom. guys on uh, Facebook right now selling double. Your yeah, because that's well, you're, they're selling them for one hundred and ten bucks, and you can buy them literally buy them for thirty-nine dollars right now. Yeah, so you, they're kind of making a profit out of it. But yeah. uh, take we, we talked about that at the last podcast. You know, buying all the the scent elimination sprays and and all that stuff, trying to clear out. Um, you know, with the with the gear and you know, it's got a side of new bows. Yeah, Rick, Rick's Rick's becoming a bow tech now, and he's, and <laughs> love I, it. Rumor has it you bought a new bow, Dave. I did. And what what did we buy? I bought the Hoyt Torx XT. So it's um it's it's not the top of line. It's oh, a it's good not. it's a good middle road bow. It's and for nice me bow. for me it's smooth. The back wall is good. Very little hand shock, you know, comparingly to um, the Hoyt. Oh, what's the other Hoyt? Not the not oh, the carbon bows, kind of, not the carbon, but their highest. There's all kind. Of, there's I think the, Hoyt the has highest, five new ones right now. But the highest Hoyt bow they have that's a uh, aluminum like an, bow. Okay, S, I think it's a S. No, there's it's a it's a gosh darn it. Anyways, that Hoyt I shot, you cannot feel it in your hand. Back wall is unbelievable, but you know what? It was thirteen hundred dollars. I spent. Seven hundred bucks, I think, for my bow. You bought the package and bow? I, nope. I, oh, you just I, got I the bought just the regular because I want to buy my own stuff on it. Okay. And then I, I, I put a, I put a, I put a, a spot hog rest on it. I put I put money into it. I got good stuff, so I'll probably never buy a bow for another ten years, at least. So this is a nice bow. I just and got the so, bow but tag. my thing is, my shoulders are so bad that if I shoot it twenty times, at fifty pounds, it they are burning like someone's hitting me with hot iron in my shoulders. So, but I'm, I was shooting at 60 to get the spot hog on and I could hit, I was shooting the inside of a paper plate at 60 with that bow and my old bow. I don't know if I could ever do that. And I can't wait to shoot at 20 or 30 because I didn't know I shot a deer over 30 yards with my bow ever. Oh, All the bucks I've killed. The new bows I don't are have insane. To. It's amazing how smooth that bow is. So it is. I'm excited to just shoot it this year and actually take it. I, I can't stand shooting my crossbow. It's so hard to carry. So this spring, I am going to shoot it. I have 10 hours at Ground Zero because I bought it there. And I'm going to go there, and I'm going to be able to shoot my bow over and over and over and over. Oh, and you over. bought it at Ground Zero? I thought you bought it at Hales. I tried to go to Hales. didn't have it. And they had to order it. And at that point, they had one in stock over there, and it was the same price. Well, I think we have 10 now. Yeah, you might. Yeah, now you probably. But that then, they had no stock. There was nothing there was when early. I bought mine. It's probably early. You bring up a good point topic too when you talked about your shoulders i think this is another thing too for you guys that do have some injuries got some shoulder issues something that may need that you know like man i need to get something done right. now's the time now now is the time to well, do that to give yeah. you you know especially i mean cuz the shoulder surgeries or you need your stuff get it done whether whether it's like a rotator <laughs> rotator cuff Why are we getting old you're yeah, getting so old talking no, about but injuries it, but what i'm saying though i mean you just went through a knee oh, replacement knee, yeah. and and you missed the yeah. the whole bulk season. Of, the whole almost the entire season and yep. so you know it, 
if you're a diehard like we yeah. all are, I mean, you got to – this is the time. So, I mean, if, if you're out there and you got something that needs addressed and you know – don't – because – what 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 if something and like say in your situation this past year if like if you could have got this done maybe last February but then you put like oh, I just don't want to I just don't want to go through it and and that's completely understandable but then I think it was more of the doctor on me but then deal. you get to yeah. then you get to maybe say August to where yep. it has to be done yep. and now it, it, it's it, right. there's no question it's not you can't put it off any longer now and now my last comment to my doctor was when I went in. In October, and he said, "Yeah, we got a full knee." Rep- I said, "We're not doing it on November 15th. That was you know, I. I could go without bow season. You know, I had to hunt that one day with because I knew I was going to hunt with my son. Yep. And even if my daughter came, I was going to hunt with one of them too. I was not going to miss that. I mean, and I made it out there. But yeah, it's just I could give up bow season. Like right now, guys like your shoulder or something. If you had to have something, to, you could give up turkey season. You could give up bluegill oh, yeah. fishing." Uh, you don't want to give up deer hunting. I, I won't. Yeah, stuff like that. So the yeah, day no. I have to do that, the day is I'll be shooting out of a truck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll get you because know, you can get that. You can get you that get permit. permit. Yeah. You need that permit. I mean, I will have them. If it comes out, I'll just do it. But yeah, it's no, it's it sucks getting old. It sure does. So that's gonna wrap it up for White Till You February, and um, next month we will. Come up with some form of a topic. Food plots. We, We're going to start talking about getting yeah, food plots. We in. can talk food plots. We can talk about. Um, there's there's plenty of things that we yeah, can we got food plots talk be about. Coming up. We, the, we're going to uh, miss one season out of it. The know, gentleman that I had on the other day we had nothing to do with hunting. Uh, Steve and Lo- Steve Lotzbach um, about snowmobiling. But after the show, he's got a very good friend that is has his own academy for elk calling. Really? So I, I really want to get him on. Um, That'll and I, be a loud show. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I've never done it. I don't know the first thing about elk hunting, let alone elk calling. So this gentleman literally has he, – he does his own academy for it. So that is definitely another guest that I would like to have here um, during our, our off season. But, of course, then we're also going to be gearing up turkey. Uh, for turkey. So uh, next month it'll it'll be – we'll probably talk food plots a little bit more, you know, as, as Rick said, deer chores, the off-season chores, but then we'll probably really um, get into to turkey hunting as uh, it's it's literally right around the corner. So um, once again, our thoughts and prayers uh, to everybody affected up at Michigan State and um, especially for the for the families that, that lost the three students, um, just, just heartbreaking. And it's it happens every day, not just at Michigan State. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's just going on every day. It's, it has to stop. It just has to. So we want to thank you for listening here on the Outdoor You podcast. If you like our show, please help expand our audience by sharing on your social media platform and simply just telling a friend. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next month. And don't forget, get outdoors. We would like to hear from you as the listener. If you would like one of our podcasts dedicated to a certain outdoor subject or to share your favorite outdoor experience, either as a guest on a show or post on our social media page, you can do all of the above by reaching us on Facebook at Outdoor You. Thanks for listening.